and we're going to have a look at a subject uh, this evening. Uh, I don't think we speak about this particularly often, um, but it's something that has, has, has taken my attention over uh, recent months. Uh, and, and I'll tell you why it's, it's been brought about, brothers and sisters, because I had it, uh, I had it said to me that the reason we have prophetesses in the, in the Bible is, is, is complementary to the fact that women should be allowed to um, speak and, and operate within uh, our ecclesias. Uh, we know that's taking place, sadly, in the, uh, in the, in, in the Christian communities around us, and we know that they are astray very much from the purity of the gospel message which was once delivered to the saints. And therefore, it got me looking a little bit at what the true essence of prophetesses were in the scriptures. So I have done a study on all of the uh, uh, prophetesses. We're not going to be able to go into them in, in the level of detail uh, that we would probably normally want to do. Uh, but God willing, tonight, I'm going to give you an overview of what I've been able to glean from this wonderful study. And I can only encourage everyone to, 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 when we get to these passages of scripture, to, to have a good look at what scripture is saying to us. But tonight, if I do nothing else, I want to try and leave with you the pattern that is very clear to us from consideration of all the prophetesses in the Bible. Because I think from the good ones, there is a very clear message to us as the ecclesia, which I believe the good prophetesses represent in our day and our generation. And I'll try and share some of those things as we go through our, our remarks. But let's start off by asking, what, what's the difference between a prophetess and a prophet? Because it's very easy to think that they are one and the same. Well, when you look up the word prophet in the Hebrew language, it is uh, the word nabai, uh, which is from a root meaning to bubble forth as a fountain or from a fountain to uh, utter um, uh, a fourth. And, and I think what we're seeing here, Brent, is, is if we take this analogy of something that bubbles forth from a fountain, it's, it's that beautiful aspect, isn't it, of the purity of the truth that comes from the source. And, and we know that's exactly what the role of the prophet were. There are other words in the Hebrew language that depict the work that these people uh, often did. We have the word prophet, we also have the word seer, and uh, there is the word rohi, which means a seer, that uh, was began to be used in the time of Samuel, and also jose, uh, which is another word which is used for seer. Uh, I, and there are some distinct differences between, between these uh, words. Uh, the, there were prophets that weren't necessarily seers who, who could uh, have uh, divine intervention. There were those that bubbled forth and spoke things, and there were those that saw visions, and some people did uh, both. Uh, in Chronicles, if you want to take one uh, marginal reference for all of those three words, it's in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 29, where you see Samuel the seer, Nathan the prophet, and Gad the seer, all three different Hebrew words, but reflect the essence, I would suggest, my beloved brothers and sisters, of those that were bubbling forth and being given divine 
uh, uh, information regarding Yahweh's plan and purpose for his people. So what, what was the, that role of a prophet? Well, a prophet proclaimed the message that was given to him. Uh, we know Amos chapter 3 and verse 7 says, Surely uh, Adonai Yahweh or Sovereign Yahweh will do nothing, but he revealeth his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. So that's the essence of what a prophet was. They were God's messengers to whom the Almighty revealed uh, his plan and purpose uh, to. And a seer, as we've intimated already, was those that beheld a vision from the Almighty. Uh, a prophet was a spokesman and a seer was very often one that was able to uh, witness the, the, the vision that Yahweh gave to them and interpret that back to the people. So there are some very clear principles for us in scripture about what the role of a prophet was. Now, when you come to the uh, term of prophetess, well, that's a little bit different because a, a prophetess um, is, is this word, uh, I won't even try to pronounce that, but nebiah, uh, uh, and that's a prophetess, often referred to as an inspired woman, uh, by implication, often a, a poetess, and by association, very often, a prophet's wife. So not the same word, not something that was uh, very depictive of their uh, specific role, but we do know that, and we'll look at the, the cases of these, that, that the prophetesses in scripture fulfilled very, very clearly defined roles within the household of the nation of Israel and, and in the life of Anna and Philip's daughters uh, in the New Testament. So there are nine occurrences of uh, details where prophetesses are referred to in the scriptures. I've listed them out on the slide. For those who might be on, only on, on a telephone link, we have Miriam, Deborah, Jezebel, Huldah, Noida, Isaiah's wife, daughters of Israel, Anna, that we read of in Luke, and the daughters of Philip. So there are nine and we could say, well, that's a significant number because nine is the number of rebellion. Um, but when we break them down, brethren and sisters, and this is really interesting, there are six occurrences of faithful prophetesses in the scriptures. Six. And six, we know, is the number that is given to man. And so I'm going to suggest right at the outset, my beloved brethren and sisters, that that. The, the picture that we see of prophetesses isn't in itself singularly focusing on women. It, it has a spiritual representation to the woman aspect within ecclesial life. And we know that's, the, that's us, isn't it? That's us as representative, as the bride of Christ. We are, we are his bride. Uh, and we know that there are roles specific to the ecclesia spiritual that we need to focus and dedicate our lives towards and we're going to we're going to highlight some of those when we look at these six uh, faithful prophetesses that are recorded in the scriptures of truth you'll also notice that for the daughters of philip there were four of them 
Um, I'm not going to go into detail on, on Philip's daughters tonight, but if you think about they, they, that they recorded in Acts 21 as being virgins, and there were four of them, I think, brothers and sisters, we can very clearly take away that this is a picture of the cherubim, of, of, the, of the cherubimic face seen in, these, in this antitypical uh, uh, ecclesial uh, shadow that we have through the picture of the prophetesses. So we would have five if we went up to Anna. And by the way, we're going to look at her name. Her name means grace. Uh, and so we got five up to Anna. And then we've got this picture of four virgins prophesying of the daughters of Philip. Uh, again, a beautiful picture in type of the ecclesia representing the, uh, the, the four faces of the cherubim or where Yahweh chooses to use as his vehicle for his purpose. Has to be seen in the Ecclesia, brothers and sisters, doesn't it? So all fits together nicely. Let's just, let's just open our Bibles to Exodus chapter 15. Now I might, uh, for some on the call, have dealt with uh, Miriam when I did a study uh, not that long ago, probably three or four years ago on, on Moses and Miriam. But I just want to set the scene because Miriam is the first recorded prophetess of the scriptures. And I think we'll all agree, brothers and sisters, that the first time that we have a, a, a word or, or a term mentioned in scripture, it very often sets for us the divine pattern that is being reflected. So if you come into Exodus chapter 15, you know it's the song of Moses, uh, uh, brethren and sisters, when Yahweh has delivered the enemy of, Egypt, uh, of Israel, the Egyptians, into their hands. And we have Moses coming back from that battle and singing of the song of Moses. You'll pick it up in verse 2. Yahweh is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my ale, and I will prepare him a habitation. My father's mighty one, and I will exalt him. Yahweh is a man of war. And then we get into the... the um, the verses of the song we've got it in verse six thy right hand o yahweh has become glorious in power thy right hand o yahweh hath dashed in pieces in the enemy can you see the song is giving thanks to the almighty for the deliverance that he has brought about and that's what moses and all the men that have come back from that battle are singing when you come down to verse 20 princesses which is where we are introduced in the scriptures to uh, to Miriam as a prophetess, we, we pick up this, don't we? And Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them. Now, I want you to under, underline that, brothers and sisters. Miriam answers the song of the men. Sing ye to Yahweh, she says, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. So I want you to picture, my beloved friends and sisters, this, this, this victorious cry of the men coming back from war and the women, the prophetesses, being led by Miriam, coming out to meet them. They're coming out with timbrels, with tabrets, and joy of singing and voice. And this is really important for us, friends and sisters, because this sets the pattern. Just come over to Judges. Keep, uh, you only keep a finger in Exodus, because we're not going to go back there because of time. But if you come into Judges, and you come into chapter 11, Judges chapter 11 and verse 34, uh, you'll see this same pattern. This is Jephthah, isn't it? This is when Jephthah was coming back from the battle. 
You've got it here uh, in verse uh, 32. So Jephthah passed over unto the children of Ammon to fight against them. And notice, the, notice what the scriptures say. And Yahweh delivered them into his hands. And he smote them from Aurora, even till thou come to Minith, even 20 cities, and unto the plain of the vineyards with a very great slaughter. Verse 34, And Jephthah came to Mitzvah unto his house, and behold, the daughter, his daughter, came out to meet him with timbrels and with dances. She was his only child. Can you see the pattern, brethren and sisters? And you've got it the same. You've got it exactly the same in 1 Samuel 18, verse 6, which I won't go to because of time. But when, they, when the people were singing, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands, the women sang with timbrels and tabrets and joined in this victory uh, cry. And this, for me, brethren and sisters, is the key to unlocking the example of Miriam as a type of the ecclesia. Just come with me to Isaiah. There's many more we could turn to. There are some in the Psalms, brothers and sisters, where these patterns of women joining with their husbands or with the males after the victory, uh, Yahweh has given. But you just come with me to Isaiah and chapter 30, because in this chapter, brothers and sisters, which is prophetic, which is still to be finally uh, 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 fulfilled, we have in Isaiah chapter 30, you can see it in verse 27, just for connection, behold, the name of Yahweh cometh from afar, burning with his anger, so he's in that destructive, this, this, is, this could be linked to the march of the rainbowed angel, brethren and sisters, he's coming with, with fire, he's burning with anger, the burden thereof is heavy, his lips are full of indignation, and his tongue is a devouring fire, fire. Uh, verse 29, and ye shall have a song as in the night with holy solemnity is kept and gladness of heart as when one goeth with a pipe to come into the mountain of Yahweh and to magnify, uh, uh, sorry, to the mighty one of Israel. And Yahweh shall cause, notice this, brothers and sisters, this is, this is Christ and the saints, isn't it? This is Christ and the saints coming against the latter-day Assyrian, which is none other than Gog. Verse 30, and Yahweh shall cause his glorious voice to be heard. He shall show the lightning down of his arm and with the indignation of his anger and with the flame of a devouring fire, with scattering and tempest and hailstones. For through the voice of Yahweh, shall the Assyrians, that's the Gogian host, brethren and sisters, isn't it? Shall be beaten down, which was smote with a rod. And here's the verse. And in every place where the ground staff shall pass, which Yahweh shall lay upon him, it shall be with tabrets and harps. And in, uh, uh, and in battles and of shaking, will he fight with it? You see, brethren and sisters, Christ and the saints, are going to be united with tabrets and harps and singing. It's, it's the bride and the bridegroom, isn't it? Coming together to overthrow the Gogian host. And we could link this to Revelation, brothers and sisters. You know, the song of Moses and the Lamb that he sang again, isn't it? At the joyous overthrow of the uh, armies of Israel and the Gogian host. So we've got the pattern set that this picture that Miriam portrays as the first of the prophetesses is representative all the way through the scriptures of the bringing together of the bride victory and the bridegroom of the ecclesia it's a beautiful picture 
brothers and sisters. But what about Deborah? Let's just quickly have a, a look at Deborah, because Deborah is the second of the prophetesses that were, were introduced to, and, and, and she shows a, a different picture. Let's just go to Judges, uh, Judges chapter 4. I'm sorry I'm going through this really quickly, brothers and sisters, but that you'll, you'll, you'll surely appreciate with me that there is so much information to go through that I've got to do uh, it justice tonight by, by trying to be as succinct as we possibly can. So Judges chapter 4, and let's just have a little look at what we read of in verse 4. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time. And you might read that verse, brethren and sisters, and you might say, oh, hang on a minute. Here's a prophetess that was judging the nation of Israel, and she did. But the way she did it, brethren and sisters, was in complete and utter difference to how other prophets and judges had operated. If you just come into verse 5, notice what the scripture tells us. Yes, she judged Israel. Yes, she was a prophetess. But look what it says. She dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Now, I want you to underline that, brothers and sisters, if you wouldn't mind, in your minds or your margins, because notice she did not go forth. The prophets went forth and uttered. Deborah, as a judge of the nation of Israel, because there was a lack at that time of, of, of stability within the male community of, of, of the leaders within the nation of Israel, that she sat there. And this is a beautiful type, brothers and sisters, I would suggest, of faithful sisters in ecclesial life, because they are great sources of, of places to go to seek uh, guidance. She wasn't uh, in the temple. She wasn't on a platform. She wasn't putting herself above and beyond. She sat there under that palm tree, the, the tallest and straightest of all trees, which was significant, none of the less, was it, of, of righteousness and, and rightly dividing Yahweh's word. And the people came unto her. Notice verse 8. Look at the influence she had upon, upon others. Verse 8, And Barak said unto Deborah, if thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. You see, the influence of this faithful sister gave encouragement to Barak. And I haven't got time to, to expand all, all the details that are in Judges chapter 4. But believe you me, brethren and sisters, her role was different to that of many of the prophets. And many of the ways that the prophets who went and, and spoke and, and went before kings and went before peoples and presented Yahweh's as uttering it forth, she sat. And those that were willing and desirous to learn of the righteous ways came unto her to glean her knowledge and her wisdom and her judgments. And we know, brothers, don't we, from Hebrews chapter 11, that when we read of those faithful of Gideon and Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, Deborah is not mentioned. It wasn't because she wasn't faithful, brethren and sisters, but that wasn't the role of her in the preeminence of, of, of others at that time. 
And it's fundamentally important, brothers and sisters, that when we consider the role of our dear sisters in our ecclesial lives, we should not allow the thinking of this corrupt world, which is full of feminism and, and equality, where the, the, the disregard for the understanding of what the pattern in Scripture defines for us for Yahweh and, and Christ and, and man and, and the woman and the different roles that, that are all given in that hierarchical structure in ecclesial life should not be confused for one minute by trying to apportion prophetesses to be equal with their counterparts, the prophets. And, and they're there, brethren and sisters, as we will hopefully show you now, they are there to portray a pattern. You know, when you look at all of their names, brothers and sisters, and I don't know if you've ever done this, but Miriam, rebel or bitterness, Deborah, a bee, Hulder, a weasel, Isaiah's wife, she's not even named, but she's called the wife of the one who was saved by Yahweh. Anna, really, brethren and sisters, is the only one whose name is spiritually significant of reflection of, 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 of the quality that she really possessed. And you've got the daughters of Philip are the, are the lovers of horses. And so none of the names in scripture of the faithful six prophetesses really revealed to us anything about what they stood for. It's there. It's what scripture records about what they did, my beloved brothers and sisters, which is the important thing. And that is the key for us. When we put that before us and we look at these six faithful prophetesses this is what we see and this is what they reflect as a type of the ecclesia miriam she sang a new song she joined together in the chorus with the song of moses of deliverance deborah as we've just quickly looked at she judged the people and the people came unto her if we had chance to look at holder she spoke the word of yahweh that's what the scriptures reveal if you look at isaiah's wife she warned the ecclesia of coming judgments. Anna, as we read in, in Luke, she represents, doesn't she, that waiting aspect of the ecclesia, waiting for the coming of Messiah. And then the daughters of Philip, as we said, those virgins which prophesied and spoke of, of the truth. Aren't all those, my beloved brothers and sisters, six very clear things that in our ecclesial lives and our, our personal lives, we should be reflective of? I think it is, isn't it? Singing the song, judging righteously from Yahweh's word of truth, not what we think, not what man thinks, but what Yahweh's word says, speaking the word of Yahweh with every breath we are blessed with taking, warning our ecclesias about the dangers of the coming judgments, and waiting patiently as we've seen in Simeon and, and, and Anna in that Luke, in that Luke reading, and, and clearly, brothers and sisters, being of those wise virgins, speaking of the coming of the prophetical things upon the world that we see. What wonders we've seen today, haven't we, brothers and sisters, with this peace treaty that's being revealed through uh, Israel and, and, and the Middle East, the, uh, the, the nations, brothers and sisters, that Ezekiel 38 so clearly speaks have got to be aligned to the Tarshish power. It's so wonderful and exciting for us, isn't it? But when we come back to the prophetesses, We've looked at six very briefly. We'll go into Anna in a bit more detail. 
But then that gives us three. Jezebel, who called herself a prophetess. Noida, and we'll look at Noida, and, and the daughters of Israel. Uh, let's just quickly jump to um, Noida. Because I only came across Noida very recently, Brent sisters, when I was doing a study of Nehemiah chapter 6. I wonder if you turn there with me, please. Nehemiah and, and chapter 6. And in Nehemiah 6, we've got those three men, haven't we, of, of Sambalit and Tobiah and, and, and Geshem the Arabian. There they are, the enemies of Nehemiah, as he was trying to build the walls, they played such a, 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 a wicked role, didn't they, in, in all the way through Nehemiah. But in, in, in chapter 6, we, we see them trying to uh, create allegiance with him and trying to influence him by going uh, to others and trying to bring about um, pressure upon Nehemiah to follow their way. Verse 5, then sent Sambalat his servant unto me, Nehemiah, in like manner in the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. You see, the open letter in his hand, brethren and sisters, was there to, it wasn't a closed letter, it was, it was to be seen by all. And he says in verse six, wherein was written, it is reported among the heathen, and Geshem saith it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel. You see, what Sambalat was doing at the hand of Tobiah, his servant, brothers and sisters, was trying to frighten Nehemiah into taking allegiance with them, trying to frame them for, for false things that they weren't doing, and they weren't doing wrong. And, when you, and I haven't got time to go through Nehemiah 6 and highlight everything that these three wicked individuals were doing, but what I will take you to, brothers and sisters, is verse 14 of chapter six of Nehemiah. Because in this verse, we have the influence of Noida. There are two Noidas in the scriptures. There's the one here in Nehemiah six, and there's one in Ezra eight. They're different people, different. They're not even the same, uh, same sex. So don't get them confused. This was Noida, the prophetess. And look what the scriptures record about her. This is his prayer, Nehemiah's prayer, verse 14. My God, my ale, think thou upon Tobiah and Sanballat, according to these their works. He says, this is his prayer, think about what they're trying to do. Think about their works, how they've tried to, to, to put me off from the work of rebuilding the walls and, 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 and sealing off the, 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 the place of, of Yahweh's uh, temple. And on, he says, the prophetess Noida and the rest of the prophets that have put me in fear. And Noida, brethren and sisters, whose name means Yah will meet by appointment. Oh, she will, my dear brethren and sisters, find an appointment with Yahweh at the judgment seat because she was and had been called to be a prophetess. And here she is aligned and influential with the wicked work of Tobiah and Sanballat and the other prophets that were influenced by these wicked men. But she's named. And she's named, brothers and sisters, as a reminder for us as the Ecclesia that we cannot and should not be affiliated with the seducing influences that Tobiah and Sambalat tried to bring about upon the Ecclesia of their day. They tried to influence through fear and, and, and through false 
uh, doctrine and lying about the things of the truth. They weren't preaching the truth. And she is a warning to us, brothers and sisters, that there is an appointment set for her for the work and the type of life that she lived and tried to do in the life of Nehemiah. So we have before us, brothers and sisters, we have Jezebel, Noida, and the daughters of Israel. And we could talk all night about Jezebel, couldn't we? You know, there is that whole influence of Jezebel, the one whose name means Baal exalts, or Baal is her husband. And, and she was uh, an epitome, wasn't she, in the scriptures of truth, of one who called herself a prophetess, but who wasn't, who was a, an idolater, who was a, a dominant wife over a husband. I'm, I'm not... I'm not having a go at any sisters who are dominant over their husband, I'm reflecting it, brethren and sisters, in the spiritual way that it is in ecclesial life of the hierarchy that there should be of the role of the sister in the ecclesias. She had remarkable willpower. She seduced Ahab and Israel. She was treacherous to Naboth. She was courageous in, in opposition to Elijah. She was a fearsome opposition to the things of the truth and she called herself a prophetess she tried as that epitome of 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 the false ecclesia we could go into revelation couldn't we we could we could remind ourselves brothers and sisters of those of those seven ecclesias for for which the warnings were given we shouldn't allow that jezebel uh, attributes who were influenced by by, by that dominant behavior to be a, a led astray in our ecclesial life, shouldn't we, should we, brethren and sisters? And, and we've also got the, the warning, I think it's in our reading for tomorrow in Ezekiel. If you just come over to Ezekiel chapter 13, um, we've got the reading tomorrow uh, about the warning of false prophetesses. And it's very, very interesting, brethren and sisters, when you go through these verses. I'll just quickly do it very quickly. Likewise, verse 17 of Ezekiel 13, Thou son of man, set thy face against the daughters of thy people, which prophesy out of their own heart, and prophesy thou against them. You see, they didn't, have, they didn't bubble forth with Yahweh's words. It was their own thoughts, their own ideas. And if you go through these verses, I haven't got time to read, but in your leisure, brethren, she says, read 18, 19, 20, 21. I'll just read verse 22 because of time. Because with lies ye have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad. And you've strengthened the hands of the wicked, that he should not return from his wicked way by promising him life. Therefore ye shall see no more vanity, nor divine divinations, for I will deliver my people out of your hand. You see, brothers and sisters, these false prophetesses, oh, we can see these so clearly in our community if, we're, if we open our eyes, brothers and sisters. Those that are being influenced by the churches around that say, oh, you know, it doesn't really matter what you do. You can be forgiven of all these things. You see, that's what these prophetesses were doing. They weren't upholding the righteous judgments of Yahweh, brothers and sisters. They were allowing the emotions of their hearts. And, and we know how caring sisters can be and how much love that they show and share in very often our families. And we, we, we are indebted to that. But the reason, brothers and sisters, that, that, that brethren are given that role is because we've got to we, we've got to take out the emotion of many of these things and hold fast to the truth. 
And, and it's hard for us, brothers and sisters. I can, I'm sure every husband and wife on this call can think about, with, who've had children, can think about the debates you've had about how you do or don't discipline the children in your houses. Because the woman sees it this way and, and the man sees it that way. And you know what, brothers and sisters? It's about finding the right balance, isn't it? But don't allow the effects of this feministic, humanistic world in which we live corrupt our thinking that we fail to see the truth of Yahweh's word and the, the purity for which it needs to be uplifted and, and lived within our lives. And it's so important, brothers and sisters, that we, we never lose sight of that in, in the way that we live. So let's just go to Luke. I want to finish in Luke. I know my time's nearly gone, but I've got some, some little things that there's only a few things said about Anna. We could have spent all night just, just looking at Anna. But let me just quickly fly through some of these things because they're subtly recorded for us. Only Matthew and Luke give any details regarding the events uh, of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And only Luke describes this event of bringing Christ into the temple 40 days after his birth. Only Luke records, brethren and sisters, the accounts of Anna and Simeon. So why does Luke only record these things? Well, we have those verses 36, 37 and 38 of Luke chapter 2, where those words are recorded that Brother John read for us earlier. Let me just summarize what those verses say. Anna, she was a prophetess. She was a daughter of Phanuel. She was a virgin. She was a widow. She departed not from the temple. She served Yahweh with fasting, with prayers, night and day. You know what, brothers and sisters? I could give an exhortation on every single one of those qualities and reflect them back to how we should live our lives in Ecclesia, couldn't we? Every single one of them. Every single one of those. And let me just, uh, she gave thanks and she spoke of Christ unto all who looked for redemption. Isn't that a a type so clearly of the ecclesias that uh, the role of our ecclesias today well of course it is well anna and we've intimated this her name means grace a merited divine favor she's the fifth of the faithful prophetesses it's beautiful how scripture ties up isn't it she's the daughter of phanuel and when you look up that word phanuel in the greek it's the equivalent to peniel and peniel brothers and sisters wasn't it was the place of the name given to where Israel, Jacob, wrestled with the angel. It was the name of the place that he called the face of Ale. So here, brethren and sisters, we have Jacob calling the place Peniel, for I have seen God or the Elohim face to face and my life has been preserved. Isn't that a beautiful part of what we're looking for, brothers and sisters, we are to reflect as the ecclesia of Christ, the face of God. We're called to be his sons and daughters. We're called out to be a, a people for his name. And, and it's by the grace of God that we've received that calling, isn't it? And Anna was the daughter of the one who was called the face of Ael. And that symbolized, brethren and sisters, and this is the beautiful part of our ecclesial warning of the wrestling that has to take place with those who are charactered by and symbolized by the effect of God manifestation. And do you think, brethren and sisters, having been a widow for 84 years would have been a struggle 
and a wrestling with the emotions. Think about that, brothers and sisters, as, 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 the, as the idea of a virgin and a widow, because they're synonymous with, with types of the ecclesia, aren't they? To, to be p- pure and, and not to be corrupted and adulterated with, with the way of the world. She was the, the, the tribe of Asher. You know, brothers and sisters, when you, when you look at that, what scripture says that she was of the tribe of, of, of Asher, that Brother John read, you have to say, why does, why does the scriptures reveal that? Well, Asher was the eighth son of Jacob. And, and, and I haven't got time to go to Deuteronomy 33. But, but, but in Deuteronomy uh, 33, it, it talks about, if I recall correctly, that he was favored, that he should have had his feet anointed with oil, but they'd been turned into brass. And so Asher, brothers and sisters, was symbolic of one who'd been called to be anointed with oil, but who'd walked in a different way. And, you know, there are no uh, there are no men of note or judges that are coming through the line of Asher. None whatsoever. Asher and Simeon are the only tribes which produced no notable men of state within Israel or judges. And how remarkable it is that it it comes right down to Anna, the one who is mentioned in in Luke. Eight is new beginning, isn't it? A a type of the ecclesia, a new beginning of those who are at grace and at favour with with the Almighty. And her name, if you put all of these names together, brothers and sisters, you get this lovely little message from the grace that comes from the presence of God or from the face of God, there is found happiness. And that is beautiful, brothers and sisters, when you tie Anna's name, uh, Peniel together and Asher together. That's a lovely little exhortation that we get from the scriptures of truth. So Anna was a widow and, and, and we know, brothers and sisters, that widows were to uh, be cared for implicitly by by Yahweh, absolutely implicitly. I haven't got time to go to 1 Timothy 5 and go through those things, but we know we can sum it up in James 1. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. That is one of the traits that we are supposed to live. And we must ask ourselves, is that what we do in our ecclesias? Do we care for the fatherless and the widow? Do we go and we see those things? You know, it's beautiful in Luke, brothers and sisters, but Christ from his birth, unknown to himself, visited the widow Anna. And that's all she was waiting for. She is totally symbolic of the ecclesia, waiting to see her Messiah. And we've got Simeon, haven't we? And we've got Anna in this perfect cameo of representation of us as how we should be being led by the spirit Simeon to arrive in the temple just at the time when the Lord Jesus Christ was to be presented as the law had commanded for those two pigeons to be sacrificed the poor man's offering that when the the the, the womb was opened an offering of thanks was to be given to the Almighty and Simeon and Anna, representative of male and female, we're all one in Christ Jesus, are there in the temple waiting for that coming. 
And we know she departed not from the temple. And there are wonderful verses we could go to, Ben. So let's just go to Psalm 92. I'll just quickly go there. But you, you know, you can turn these up at your leisure and I can share my slides with you later. But Psalm 92, if you just come there, beautiful little pictures of, 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 of the ecclesia of, 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 the, uh, of, of the day. Look what it says in Psalm 92 and verse 13. Those that be planted in the house of Yahweh. She never departed from the, uh, from the temple. She'd been there since she was widowed, 80 odd years of, of, of time. And it says there that those that are planted in the house of Yahweh shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age and they shall be flattened for flourishing. And wasn't that Anna bringing forth fruit, giving praise and thanks uh, talking about all those that would hear about the salvation of Yahweh. David shared the same hope. The apostles taught it in 1 Corinthians 3. We won't go there because of time, but it's a pattern, isn't it? Of being in the temple, in our ecclesias, brothers and sisters, not with one foot in the world, not with trying to play uh, fast and loose with the truth, but being planted in our ecclesias and she served Yahweh with fasting she gave up things with prayers and she was there day and night and she coming in that time in that instance gave thanks when the Lord Jesus Christ was presented in type to the ecclesia because of time brothers and sisters and I'm sorry for having to rush through that so very quickly but Anna gives to us, brothers and sisters, in our age, she gives us a hope. Because she spoke of Christ and to all who would look for redemption. She moved throughout the temple. There's no record of what she couldn't do in her old age, but what she did do. You know, as we all mature in our life in the truth, brothers and sisters, you know, it's not about what we can't do. It's what we can do. It's what we can bring before in service to our Heavenly Father. And at that age of 91, she was still bringing forth uh, things. And it's our hope, brothers and sisters, isn't it? Revelation 3, verses 11 and 12. Let's just turn there because of, we'll conclude on these, brothers and sisters. Revelation 3, this is our hope. We want to be in that temple, day and night, with our Lord, don't we? Serving throughout the ages of eternity. And Anna is that picture for us. Revelation 3, verse 11. I'll just read it ever so quickly. Behold, I come quickly. Hold, uh, sorry, hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar. A permanent place, a permanent part in the temple of my, of my God. And he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God. And the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. And just turn over to chapter 7, please, brethren and sisters, and verse 15. Chapter 7 and verse 15. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him Day and night. Remember, that's what was wrote, written of Anna. Day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. And they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. Neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb 
which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. You see, brothers and sisters, it is a time now of, of wrestling. It is a time for us, brothers and sisters, to fight, to uphold the purity of the truth, to be those wise five virgins, the grace of God. And let's take the reminders of Jezebel, who seduced the servants of God, of Noida, who tried to put them in fear, and of the daughters of Israel that lied by not upholding the truth of Yahweh's word in their lives. And all of them, brothers and sisters, have got that appointment of day. But let's take the six prophetesses and see the patterns of our ecclesias, that we might sing that song anew, that we might faithfully judge one another from the word, speaking it from the very essence of his truth, warning one another of those impending judgments and being like Anna and those faithful virgins, brethren and sisters, to wait patiently for the coming of our Lord. He's at the door, brethren and sisters. He's at the door. So let us be like Anna and let us be of those prophetesses and the example they set to be that faithful bride when our Lord does come and by the grace of Almighty God be joined forever and serve him day and night throughout that millennial reign. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.